0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. We continue our look at Romans chapter 7, verses 24 through 25 today. In salvation, we have both immediate hope and an ultimate hope. We have very frequent choices to make about the Holy Spirit's working in our actual lives. And now with his message for today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Hope is a motivating
1: and a comforting reality. In 1 John 3, verse 2, we have a tremendous hope as, a, as born-again believers uh, outlined for us in 1 John 3, 2. This is what it says, Beloved, now we are children of God and has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be, we know that when he, Christ, appears, we shall be like him. That's hope. When he appears, we shall be like him because, the verse continues, we shall see him just as he is. That's hope. When you physically die as a Christian and you see the Lord Jesus, your Savior, face to face, you will be made to be like him. You'll be glorified. If the rapture of the church occurs this evening or tomorrow morning or whenever it does occur and there's no prophetic prophecy yet to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church would take place, it's imminent. If the rapture of the church takes place this evening or tomorrow or whenever it does, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, to meet those who have come with Christ in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. By the way, that rapture is only a comfort if we don't go through the tribulation because of it. We believe in a pre-tribulational rapture of the church. That's what the Bible teaches. So there's this wonderful hope that we'll be made to be like Christ when we see him, either through physical death or rapture. Dr. Dwight Pentecost, who recently went to see Jesus in his 95th or 6th year, he said this, We shall be like him in 1 John 3, 2 means that we shall be sinless, deathless, and spiritually mature. Sinless, deathless, and spiritually mature. That'll be awesome. And that's our hope. That is our hope. That's our ultimate hope. But praise God, we also have an immediate hope. We just don't have a future hope of glorification. We have a present time hope. A present-time hope that we can know victory over the flesh, victory over the law of sin and death, victory in Jesus Christ. And our present-time hope is living victoriously, even though the law of sin and death is constantly pulling down on us like gravity. But it doesn't have to successfully pull down on you to have you commit acts of sinning. There's a present-time hope that will see you over that and past that. If you let your eyes go, please, to the first two verses of Romans 8. These are the verses that the gateway verses we're studying tonight get us into. The first two verses of Romans 8 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The gateway is needed from Romans 7's struggle after conversion. The gateway is needed from me-can-do Christianity from that kid in the high chair in the Dixie House restaurant in Dallas, Texas, whose parents let him feed himself when he's nowhere near being ready to feed himself, and there was Gerber food everywhere. The gateway from that kind of me-can-do, do-it-yourself Christian living in Romans 7 is Romans 7, 24 and 25 which will walk us through as we appropriate them, will walk us through into Romans 8, 1 and 2. Put another way, we've used another metaphor, that if your life is a bicycle, Jesus Christ died and rose for you to give you the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that he would pedal and steer your bicycle. The shame of our lives is when we push the Holy Spirit to the back banana seat of our bicycle and try to drive our bicycle ourselves. That's when the law of sin and death in our flesh really takes the bicycle places we don't want to go. And so in these gateway verses of verses 24 and 25, in verse 24, Paul is like a sweaty, broken stallion. In verse 24, Paul is like an exhausted, hooked by the side of the boat, Barracuda. In verse 24, Paul is like a miserable, defeated, humbled, runaway child come home. In verse 24, Paul is like a miserable, distressed, and exhausted triathlete. In verse 24, Paul is sensing his captivity to sin and his utter helplessness to break free, and that's why he needs the Holy Spirit. In verse 24, Paul is miserable Paul is distressed. Paul is exhausted. He's at that place. But he is also at the very same time as being in that place, in the place of near deliverance. The person who comes to the end of him or herself is very, very close to the deliverance that God has intended for living the Christian life. But we have to come to the end of ourselves in order to come to the beginning of the Holy Spirit ruling us. Verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Will you notice four things with me which are true of Christian living? Four things we're going to see in these verses that are true of Christian living. Four things that are true of your Christian living. Four things that are true of my Christian living. Number one, it's a dominance or an omission. And I'll expand these. Second, your Christian life and mine, it's a pointing up or it's a pulling down. It's a supernatural or it's a natural. It's a freedom or captivity. We're going to unpack each of these in this sermon, but I want you to see that your Christian life is either dominance or omission. It's either pointing up or pulling down. It's either supernatural or it's natural. Your Christian life is either freedom or it's captivity. So let's get after these four things from the text. Number one, Christian living is either a dominance by the Holy Spirit or an omission of the Holy Spirit. Your Christian living is either a dominance by the Holy Spirit or an omission of the Holy Spirit. In verses 1 to 24 of Romans 7, if you read Romans 7 verse 1 through 24, the word I, the pronoun I, appears 28 times. My appears six times. Me appears Twelve times. The person of the Holy Spirit in these verses is mentioned one time. And that mentioning of the Holy Spirit in these verses happens before he starts talking about his struggle in verse 6. And so in the verses of Romans 7 which paint the ugly picture of me-can-do Christianity and its intense struggles with the law of sin and death and the flesh and failure, in these very verses, the word I is 28 times, my six times, me is 12 times, and the person of the Holy Spirit is only mentioned once. Now watch this, please. Any Christian... Even the great Apostle Paul will dismally and chronically struggle with sin and will fail if that Christian X's out the power of the Holy Spirit offered to live the Christian life. This is practical. This is very plain straightforward. In the daily living out of our Christian lives, we are either going to be dominated by the Holy Spirit, which is God's will, or we are going to omit him, ignore him, Pay no heed to Him. Those are the options in your Christian life and mine. Either to be dominated by the Holy Spirit or to omit Him. Of course, victorious Christian living is dominated by the Holy Spirit. And so the first observation about Christian living in our text is that the Christian living is either a dominance by the Holy Spirit or an omission of the Holy Spirit.
0: And thank you, Pastor Rob, for your message. Now it's time for a Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas and today another edition of Youth Talk. And lastly, we talked about the uncertainty of fear. And today we want to talk about the uncertainty of worry. You know, there's a popular song that growing up, you know, don't worry, be happy. You know, and when we think of that song, it, you know, it, it's a very catchy song. But when we look at scripture, we need to understand that we need not to worry. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? If I had to stop there, a lot of people would say, what are you talking about? I'm all about food. I'm all about clothes. I'm all about fashion. I'm all about these things. But he continues on. Look at the birds of the year. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Think about it for a second. Because we are so, it's so easy to worry. It's so easy to fall in the trap of worry. And the reality is that worry is a sin. Because what we're saying when we worry is that we take our, our eyes off of God and saying, You know what? God, you can't handle this. But we are so caught up and it's so easy to worry. Again, as you think, of, as a student, as you think, are you listening to this broadcast? You think of, I'm worried about what's going to happen come September. I'm worried about my college that I'm supposed to go to. I'm worried about so much. And I know I, It's so much uncertainty that I really do not know what I'm going to do. The passage continues and said this, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. and Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So if I just take the last part. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First the thing we need to do is we need to understand that God does take care of our needs. He's told us that as he said, I take care of the flower. I take care of the grass. I take care of all these things. I'm going to take care of you. And again, it says he takes care of our needs, not our wants, even though he gives us some of those, but he takes care of our needs. You see, God already knows what we need. It's like he tells us, look, I can provide your needs. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He provides our needs. And right now, we are going through tough times. You may be adults listen to this broadcast, and you may say, you don't know what I'm going through. I've lost my job. And, and, and I, the reality is I don't know what you're going through. But I'm going to tell you this, that we have a God that can take care of you. And there's a God that even in these tough times that we need to turn to because I think sometimes that God brings us down to these points that we will rely on him even more because we get too comfortable in what the way we live and what things we do. It also says this as we talk about seeking Further it says, instead of worrying chase after God. You see when we worry again as I said last week with fear we take our eyes and we put our eyes on our circumstances and we take them away from God. Who's going to take care of us? And I think that that's our problem. And, to, and even think about it today, as you are listening to this broadcast, you may be already trying to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You see, tomorrow is going to happen whether you worry about it or not. So just let tomorrow worry about itself. There's too much to think about today that we don't have time or energy to worry about tomorrow. And I think that that's a, a thing that we need to understand. It says, it says, it's this is an incredible gift as we think about that we can have a God that we know is going to take care of us. You see, you may have no idea what tomorrow will bring, but you know that He'll be there, and that because He cares for you, He will take care of you. God's going to take care of you, just like He takes care of the flowers, just like He takes care of the bird, just like He takes care of all of these things that we may think of insignificant. But he's going to take care of it. And he's going to take care of you. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What a what a conviction. What a passage of scripture. To think about that. And basically, you could say, do not worry about anything. But in every situation, go to God in prayer. I wonder how many of us really need to hear that. I know I do. Because I think, again, we just fall into that trap. Basically, the verse is saying this. No matter what the situation is, do not be anxious. And with a thankful heart, pray and tell God what you need. That's what he's telling you. And you know what? That's so easy to do. That we just have to go to God in prayer. And see, when you have a God who's got your best interest in mind, who you can talk to at any time, it's so easy to go to. Because I think that so many times we consider today's, you know, society and we look at how people go through life. You know, we're scared to go to people because we sometimes say, well, they don't have my back. But we know one thing for sure, that God has our back and he has everything. He, He has all of us. And so I ask you, do you allow God? Do you go to God in prayer when you worry? What do you do? Because there's only two responses. You either try to fix it yourself or you go to God in prayer. And my prayer is that you go to him in prayer and you tell him exactly what's going on right now. And who knows what God can do. But we know one thing that God is going to take care of us. And it may not be the way we want it. We want it. But it's going to be for his honor and his glory. So I challenge you, do not worry. Just go to God in prayer. This is Pastor Nicholas. I'm in
1: of Utah.
0: Thank you, Pastor Nicholas. And now it's time for today's personal God story.
1: Well, I'm very pleased this morning to have in our recording studio my dear brother Vasco Marshall. Good morning, Vasco. Good morning, sir. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, together about your God story and. Uh, I know it will be an encouragement to those that are listening this morning. Um, So, Jesus Christ became your Lord and your Savior, and
3: He's seen you through some times of doubt. Yes, sir. Um, There is an event uh, in my life Mm -hmm. that um, I like to share every once in a while. please, And it has to do with um, the birth of my my yes, daughter. Yeah. <clears throat> we were, meaning me and my wife, yes. we were trying to have a child, mm-hmm. and she had an issue. Mm-hmm. The doctor um, figured it out what, what exactly was wrong yes. because she had um, a number of miscarriages. I see. And the procedure mm-hmm. was a costly one. Mm-hmm. And... The insurance was not going to cover that. Yes. Now, um, for me personally, I felt again, I have a wife and I felt complete. I, I didn't need the child. I wanted the child, yes. but not to the point where it was consuming me. Yes. But it was different for my wife. Mm-hmm. She felt like she was maybe letting me down, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. complete woman mm-hmm. if she can't, you know, give us a child. Mm-hmm. and so I, I was dealing with that part of it, you know, trying to be supportive of her. Yes. Not really paying much attention to myself. Yes. But um a long story short, um the insurance wasn't going to um cover the course of the procedure, Mm -hmm. Um, my cousin, um, Jennifer, she um, intervened for us and she worked things out. And and, and the thing about it, Pastor Rob, is um, on the day, I think the day before the um, procedure was scheduled, Mm -hmm. was when we got the call from her to say that, yes, the insurance will cover Praise the Lord. procedure. So, procedure. Uh, and, and the thing is, we had to um, call ahead mm-hmm. to like schedule the, um, the room, the operating theater, and the anesthetist and all that kind of stuff. And so, again, the day before, we were supposed to, what would have been the deadline for scheduling, uh-huh. is when we got the call Beautiful. that we would be covered. And so, again, um, just want to say, God showed up. And solidify once again, because this isn't the only time, but once again, solidify my belief that yes, he is an on time God. And yes, he sees and knows everything and does everything well. Praise the Lord. So beautifully put. Uh,
1: He's an on time God. And so the listeners that may be out there this morning that are are trusting God for something very specific like Vasco and his wife. were trusting the Lord for uh, a procedure, a medical procedure. Uh, Whoever you are listening this morning, um, if you're in relationship with the father through saving faith in the son, and you're trusting the Lord for something, remember he's always on time. God is never late.
3: Tell us about your daughter now. How old is she? She is nine. Um, Nine going on maybe twenty nine, <laughs> 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 but I um, love her daily, and she is um she's everything to me. Ah, oh, that's so sweet. She's everything to me. Loves coming to church. She's uh, um anxious to um learn all the memory voices, and in fact, at times when um I may have to leave her at home because she doesn't get up on time. <laughs> She feels let down. I learned my memory voice, but I was unable to see uh-huh. that change. Uh-huh. and and but like she, Pastor Rob, she is she is everything to me. That's such a beautiful story. Yes. And one, one, one other thing, we we be discussing baby names, and if it's a boy, what would the name? And I was always leaning towards girls' name. I see. And so when my wife finally did get pregnant, we found out that it would be a girl. Uh huh started looking at names and stuff. I came across a whole lot of names, and of course, I didn't want to just pick any name. I wanted names that meant something. Mm-hmm. I wanted Christian names mm-hmm. to be more specific. Yep. And so I started looking at Hebrew names. Nice. Yes. Right? And um, came across a couple, but then as I was looking, I searching, I came across the name Eliana. Mm. And Eliana means... God has answered. Beautiful. And so I said, does it? I'm going with that.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful mm-hmm. name for a beautiful gift. Vasco, mm-hmm. thank you for being a- a- on the air with me today. I know that how God has worked in your life is going to be very encouraging mm-hmm. to others that are listening. And I would just love to pray for you and your family. I, I will most appreciate that. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the marshals. We thank you for the lovely Christian family that they have been made to be. We thank you for this lovely recounting of how you have worked in Vasco's life to become a a husband and then a father. And we thank you, Lord, that he has looked over his life and seen that you are the God who is on time. We pray that you would deepen our faith in your punctuality and goodness as our heavenly father and Lord that we would trust you and see you do marvelous things in answer to prayer Lord um, show us what you would have us to be as we walk with you and may our episodes of maybe doubt drive us to the Bible and not from it, because when we go to your word, we go to you, and we
0: pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997, and once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. 2 Corinthians
1: 12, verses 2 through 4. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. The question, who is the man that was caught up into paradise? What was this all about? Most commentators agree that Paul is relating his own experience of receiving a vision of heaven Paul's vagueness about the incident and his use of the third person seems to reflect his genuine humility and uncertainty regarding details of the experience. He recounts that the vision took place 14 years earlier. Since he was writing 2 Corinthians in AD 56, we can date the vision about AD 42, while he was still in Tarsus before Barnabas brought him to Antioch, see Acts 11, 25, and 26, Paul reports that he was taken to the third heaven, which is beyond the earth's atmosphere, which is the first heaven, and the stars, which are the second heaven. Paul is not sure whether he was physically present in heaven or whether his spirit partook of this experience. There in paradise, Paul saw and heard some wonderful things. Paul explains in the verses that follow that God gave him a thorn in the flesh, to keep him from becoming proud as a result of his great privilege. See 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 9.
0: You've been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, there will be no worship service at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, our service will be live streamed this morning at 10:30 a.m., you may gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs, or you can find us at CBC Body. That is at CBC B O D Y on Facebook. The stream service will be also held there. We look forward to your comments. And encourage you to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.